What's going on, everybody? Thank you for joining me on another exciting episode of Data. My name is Brian, and I look forward to sharing with you another amazing guest today. But first, if you haven't subscribed to the show yet, please make sure you get out there and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Now sit back and enjoy. Thank you, everybody, for joining me for another uh, episode of Dad Up today. Uh, my guest is the co-founder of Sports One Marketing. He's formerly served as the CEO of the renowned Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment Agency, which was the inspiration behind the movie Jerry Maguire. Uh, his life mission is to empower over a billion people to uh, be happy. And that's a simple and powerful mission. It's led him on an incredible journey to provide one thing, and that's value. In all his content communication, that's exactly what you, what you'll receive. As part of the mission for the past 20 years, he's also been providing free weekly trainings to empower others to be happy. It is an absolute honor and pleasure to welcome David Meltzer to Data. Welcome to the show, David. <laughs> what a pleasure to be here. One of my favorite topics. So, uh, you know, just really looking forward to this. Yeah. I guess I should say, more importantly, your dad, right? I have four children, so <laughs> it's my pr primary focus. Awesome. For uh, my listeners who may not know who you are or want to learn a little bit more about you, can you tell me a little bit about you, kind of your backstory, and then also how many kids you have? Yeah, of course. So I have four children, but my backstory is uh, I grew up uh, born in Akron, Ohio. I had a single mom, six kids in my family, and my mom literally uh, worked two jobs, packed her dinner in a station wagon every night so she could fill up uh, greetings card turnstiles at the convenience stores after she taught second grade. But I had one mission in life, and it was to be rich. Everything in my life, because my mom was so amazing and my siblings were even more amazing, uh, everything was fine. I was super happy, except for when there was financial stress. So in my uh, perspective, money bought happiness and love. It was the only thing that was missing in my life. And so I grew up in the world of not enough. Uh, I was a victim. Things happened to me, always wanting more, wondering why other people had what I didn't have. Uh, but I worked really hard where I gained my philosophy of life, which is to enjoy the consistent every day, persistent without quit pursuit of my own potential. Ended up graduating law school through a variety of mishaps and ended I had a choice out of law school, actually, an oil and gas litigator uh, to make six figures and eventually buy my mom a house and a car, which was my ultimate goal, or to sell uh, legal research online. It was 1992. So I asked my mom what I should do. She told me internet was a fad, that I better be a real lawyer. And for the first time in my life, <laughs> I didn't listen to my mom. I actually came up with a philosophy just because someone loves you doesn't mean that you get good advice. And so... From that point on in my life, I started to seek the approval of myself to vote for what I wanted in my life, not what other people wanted for me, so I wouldn't resent them. And I especially wasn't going to focus in on what I did want. But uh, I was blessed with that job. I made uh, over a million dollars nine months out of law school. Three years into my job, uh, we sold the company for $3.4 billion wow. uh, with the, in 1995. So that was quite an accomplishment. Went to the Silicon Valley learned how to raise hundreds of millions of dollars in the middleware space. And by the time I was 30, everything in my life affirmed that money bought love and happiness because I was a multimillionaire. I married my dream girl from the fourth grade who hated me from elementary, junior, high school, high school on, and somehow managed to convince her to marry me. Uh, like I said, I ended up uh, having three daughters and then a son later on. Um, so four kids, uh, still married 23 years to my unbelievable wife. Uh, I ended up at 30 also being the CEO of Samsung's first smartphone. So the world's 
very first smartphone was a Windows device. So I worked with Bill Gates and Microsoft. It was a Samsung manufactured device, and uh, it was called a convergence device in 1999. Uh, by the time 2006 rolled around, I was a multimillionaire, uh, running the most notable sports agency in the world, as you mentioned, Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment. Most people know Lee for the movie Jerry Maguire. Warren Moon and I became partners there, and 11 years ago, we formed Sports One Marketing, co-founded that, and have built one of the greatest global marketing uh, companies in the world. In the last three and a half years, I've built my own brand. So I have two TV shows, Elevator Pitch with Entrepreneur Magazine, and of course, Two Minute Drill, which is on Bloomberg and Amazon starting this January. I'm one of the top podcasts in the entrepreneurial space called The Playbook. I do free trainings every Friday. I have executive coaching. I write books. I have four books written, bestsellers, and I speak around the world. Uh, but most importantly, beyond all that, number one is my health, and number two is my family and those four kids of mine. So, and the reason I say number one is my health is that recently has changed over the last three years because I used to put my family first. And if you put your family first, you're never going to take care of yourself. So the best thing you can do for your family and to be a dad is to take care of yourself first. Put your own uh, mask on first so you can take care of those kids. Right. Absolutely agree. So, wow. So you've, you've been all over the place, done a lot of things. Um, like you said, more importantly, you're a dad. How old are your kids, David? I have three daughters, 21, 19, and 16, and then a 10-year-old son. Okay. All right. So you got a little bit of a range there. That's good. Um I have uh, I have two boys myself. Um, I don't have any girls, just two boys. And uh, my my oldest is 22. My youngest is 19. So uh, I'm perfect the uh, up there as well. We get them get them together. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now are they are are the two oldest are they in college? What are they up to? Yeah. So the oldest is at uh, graduating early from Tulane, where I went to law school. Uh, so she's graduating in one month uh, early. The other one is at Indiana University. She's a sophomore. Um, and then the 16-year-old's a junior uh, here in Southern California, and then uh, the little one's in fifth grade. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Um, so you got, you got, like I said, you got a lot going on. Uh, obviously, the kids, are, kids become a priority, over, obviously, after your health. The health is super important. I'm glad you mentioned that. But through your journey as a dad, what's been the most rewarding part about it? You know, to understand one lesson which is the hardest lesson to learn. It's, and the most rewarding thing is that my kids are not for me. They're through me. And I think it's essential to my life to know that, you know, I'm planting seeds under trees that I may never sit under when it comes to my kids, that I can tell them things all day long and they won't listen, uh, but they're watching me. And they definitely come through me. And uh, my mission, my mission in life to empower others, to empower others, to be happy, stems from my 12-year-old, when my youngest, when she was 12, had a friend commit suicide. Mm. And it really disturbed me because I just couldn't understand, like, why a 12-year-old little girl right. would, would do that. And I understand teenagers. Like, I, you know, I, like, I get it issues with drugs, alcohol, depression, but like 12 years old, it, it just didn't compute. And so I started doing research uh, because of this philosophy of coming through me of how I could make sure that my kids' perspective of happiness was correct and that they could help other people be happy. And so to me, that's been the greatest reward of how happy and healthy my kids. I have four, four criteria for being a kid 
Uh, my mom's still alive, so I'm still a kid, 52 years old, but also uh, for my own kids. And there's only four things that a parent wants to know. And these are the four things that I want my kids to know that I want to know. Number one, I want them to be healthy. So I do everything I can through me to make sure that my kids are very healthy. Two, happy. So as long as they have their health, now I want to work on their happiness. Three, appreciative. I want them to live with appreciation, meaning I want them to add value to everything that comes into contact with them. I want them to appreciate, to live with the perspective of light, love, and lessons of gratitude uh, through them. And then finally, I want them to live with love, to love themselves so that they can love other people. And if we do those four things, if we live in those four places of healthy, happy, appreciative, and loving, we literally can change this world. And those are the four things uh, that I look for and I'm most proud of with my kids. Yeah. Those are, those are great uh, points that you bring up, David. You know, it's one, it's one thing that we try to instill that in our kids, but with everything that's going on, especially today in the world and society, it's hard to teach that, right? It's hard to convince our kids to live a healthy, happy, appreciative and loving life. Um, how, how do you, how do you teach them that? So for me, it's value-based. So I, I take four values and consistently live by them myself, teach them myself, and hopefully allow them to share in it. One is understanding the power of gratitude, that, you know, to be able to have perspective of finding the light, the love, and the lessons and everything. You know, I'm constantly asking them one question, what did you learn? I think as a parent, we don't ask that question enough. Even when I coach um, my son's teams, you know, I, I always had three things. I said, I just want you guys to do your best to hustle. I want you to have fun, and I want you to learn something. So at the end of every practice, every class, at my dinner, I'm asking my kids, what did you learn today? Not, you know, do you have a good day at school? Or I want to know what lesson you learned, and I want you to tell me a story about the lesson that you learned. So it's sticking there because life is about lessons. And the more that we can find the light, the love, and the lessons in everything, the happier we'll be. Then I also teach forgiveness. Um, I, I, you know, we talk about empathy. Empathy is a forgiveness-based uh, perspective. And em- empathy allows us to forgive ourselves. You know, we talk about sympathy, being able to walk a mile in someone else's shoes, to sympathize with them. Empathy is much deeper. You actually have to forgive yourself to understand why other people make mistakes and to forgive yes. them for those mistakes. Uh, and then third is a big one, and I see it as an issue with a lot of younger people today. Um, and I, you know, take a, uh, <laughs> an empowering approach to it, but accountability is crucial to me. I, I want my kids to understand the difference between liability and accountability. Right. That I, I, you know, I want them to say to themselves, what did I do to attract this to myself, and what am I supposed to learn from it? You know, they'll, they'll tell me, they'll, they'll back into a, a car or make a mistake and, you know, they'll say, it's not my fault. I said, you're right. Liability wise, this accident was not your fault. You know, we can call the insurance company and somebody else will pay for it. But I want you to ask yourself, what did you do to attract this to yourself? And what are you supposed to learn from it, regardless of who's liable? And I think a lot of parents don't take that approach. They let kids live in blame, shame, and justification, and they're cheating them out of the power of the universe. Um, and so those, those three things 
lead to what I call an inspired life. So I distinguish with my children between motivation and inspiration. You know, motivation is when you're you're not feeling it. So, you know, I, I teach my kids, hey, you're not feeling it? Let's use motivation tools, skills, capabilities to get you up, get you back up, get you started, get you back started. Uh, but you need to live an inspired life. Number one, you need to know what you're connected to at all times. So you need to know that you're connected to the greatest source of power, light, and love. You're creating just so much power that you have enough power in your pinky to light up all of Manhattan. And that needs to come through you to everybody else. So you should focus your free will on clearing what interferes with that power between you and source and you and everything else. And when we allow life to come through us, when we allow that light to come through us and power to come through us, we feel whole, we feel purposeful and passionate. And what happens in this pragmatic world is we become profitable as well. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do your, do your kids understand those, those lessons that you're teaching them? So I'm showing them. In varying degrees, they do. Uh, my favorite thing with the lessons that I teach is when they going home saying, oh, my God, I saw a Dave Meltzer video. And he right. told me to say thank you before I went to bed and when I woke up. And there's some mom out there going, I've been telling you for 20 years to say thank you. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. Um, it's funny that you bring that up. It's, it, you know, I, I coach. So um, I have I've coached both my boys their entire lives. And right now I'm, I'm still the high school um, varsity basketball coach. But my sons are both out of high school now. I still continue to coach because I love it so much. But yeah. it's one of the things as a dad and a coach. You know, they, they don't listen, necessarily listen to everything I say because I'm their dad, right? So right, I always right. tell the other coaches, make sure you make sure you give the discipline to them because they're not going to listen to me as their dad. I know I'm their coach. <laughs> so I, I get what you're saying. Get what you're saying. For sure. For sure. Um, now, uh, when it comes to discipline, you've got a lot, you know, you've got a range of ages there uh, from 21 down to 10. Um, how, do, how do you guys, how do you and your wife deal with the discipline side of it? Well, you know, we create boundaries and then we hold them accountable to those boundaries. It's really interesting because, you know, I'm not a big punishment person. Uh, and so, you know, I like to teach the lessons when the mistakes are made. Uh, and, you know, when you can articulate the boundaries correctly, you, you know, allow certain things uh, to occur as long as the lessons are learned. Uh, I, I have a firm belief in, um, you know, today's society that you should buy your kid the most expensive phone that you can afford. Uh, and the reason is, is that you'll never, ever have to touch your child to discipline them. Because if you buy him the best phone in the world, all you have to threaten is, I'm going to take your phone away. And <laughs> beha- behavior changes immediately. And my, my, I think one, one of my girls would rather have their hand cut off uh, than me take her phone, <laughs> which is a great, a great powerful leverage and discipline. Uh, but but I, I have found, you know, in all fairness, I believe, you know, mistakes, failures, and pain are turn signals, not stop signs. So I don't want them to think of them as stop signs. I want them to, to be out there learning. I, I do talk about, you know, when we talk about like drugs and sex and all the difficult issues of being a parent of a 21, 19, and 16-year-old daughters, for example, I have found that sharing experience and then allowing them to make their own decisions. Um, and so, you know, I, I've had, you know, great, I've had great effect, uh, and, you know, teaching stories and lessons so that they can make their own decisions. Um, cause that's the only way they're going to learn. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Accountability is huge. Um, and, it's, and like you said earlier, not enough parents do it. They don't hold their kids accountable. I'm certain, I certainly hold my boys accountable. My wife does the same. Now, through your journey, you know, as this successful businessman that you are, what lessons have you tried to teach your kids about success? Well, one of the things I left out of my story was that in 2006, I went through a quantum shift in my life where I started realizing that money doesn't buy love or happiness. Uh, it actually just allows you to shop. And uh, I had surrounded myself with the wrong people and the wrong ideas. I had lived in ego-based consciousness and took yes for answers from friends, families, associates, and running the most notable sports agency, surrounded by you know the access that I had. Uh, I was on a deep spiral, and I was blessed that my wife uh, made me take stock in who I was in 2006, although in 2008, I ended up losing everything, um, over $100 million, and had to rebuild. But the lessons that I learned about my relationship to money and my worthiness and receiving, I think the grandest lesson that I learned is I always thought of myself as a humanitarian or philanthropist. I won all types of awards for such behavior. But the truth was I was misguided by a lesson that I thought to be philanthropic, a lesson that the more I give, the more I receive. And most people are probably listening to this going, yeah, that makes sense. The more you give, the more you receive. It's actually backwards. What I learned in that process was that I needed to focus on receiving so I could give. That money itself doesn't buy happiness or love. It allows me to shop. And if I shop for the right things, I'm going to be happy. But if I was shopping for the wrong things, which I was doing, I was shopping for things that I didn't need to be happy. I was shopping for different things to be happy. I was shopping for things to impress people I didn't even like to be happy. Uh, and when I started, I started shopping for the right things and doing the right things, uh, it was amazing how happy I became so I can give to others. So in other words, I went from living in a world of not enough, where everything happened to me as a victim, to the world of just enough, where I was buying things I didn't need to impress people I didn't like, to now an abundant world where not only is money a currency, an object energy that I put into the flow to get what I want, but faith. Faith was my new, my new currency to get what I wanted. And when I combined both the pragmatic currency with the faithful currency and the idea of receiving to give, all of it came together in a very synergistic way that allowed me to live in an abundant world of more than enough. I truly have faith that there's more than enough of everything for everyone, that I live in a world between limitlessness and infinity. And my true vision is to empower, like I said, over a million people to live in that abundant world because abundant people, they don't attack other people. They don't make judgments or conditions. Abundant people, they live in a world of giving and receiving and there's enough of everything for everyone, and that's the world that I want everyone to live in. Mm. And your kids, um, are, are they trying to live that way? I know they're young, um, and they may not completely understand it, but I'm sure the older ones kind of get it a little bit. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to teach um, my older son especially those kind of values as well, and he's really good about, about his money and how he gives and how he receives. So he's really good about that stuff. My younger son, I still have to work on a little bit. But, I mean, yeah, he's, he's, he's a little bit uh, – I got to kind of rein him in a little bit. But uh, um, are, your, are your girls understanding that? Yeah, so, you know, it's varying in degrees. So they all are extremely giving. And I always say, you know, it's easy to give when you come from a place of abundance, meaning they have everything that they need, so they feel very secure. So it's very easy for them to give. But 
you know, what I love about them is they do, they earn their own money. Uh, the two older ones worked two jobs during COVID since they were at home, um, you know, before they were allowed back to school. So, you know, one job wasn't enough. So they worked two and they were volunteering. And uh, it was really nice. I would say my oldest and my youngest are the oldest, I should say the old souls, right? They, they just were born with it. They, they get it. Uh, and then the two middle ones uh, are, you know, where I expect them to be, I'm proud of them, but I absolutely uh, would continue to work and to give them and share the experience of having enough and not buying things you don't need <laughs> to impress people you don't like. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the oldest and the youngest, they're like old souls. Like I can list down things that they say that there's no way that they learned in this lifetime. They, they must have carried it from some other lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, now, I know you kind of touched on it early on in the conversation, but um, what is the single most important thing you've learned from your mom and how has it impacted you as a father? You know, obviously gratitude for me and then work ethic. And I think they form hand in hand. You know, I, I watch my mom and, you know, I uh, live my life by beating people with math and time, productive, accessible, and gracious. Uh, it's what I call my mom's kaleidoscope. She always try to be as productive as she comes value because she provide to the kids that she taught her own children, the community accessibility, how accessible was she to everyone and how was she accessing what she wanted, which was her biggest challenge. Uh, but of course, the lens of gratitude, she was not just a person that looked to the best in everyone and everything. And so that carries absolutely for me, through me, to me, every step of the way. I mean, I wanted to be rich just to buy my mom a house and a car. And when I was able to buy my mom a house and a car nine months out of law school, it was one of the happiest days of my life. Uh, it also hurt me because I started identifying that money buys happiness and love. But it, right. was, it, was, it wasn't the money that made me so happy to see my mom happy. Um, mm. yeah, you know, I always joke around my kids. You know, when I'm on stages and I speak around the world, I'll say, who here grew up poor? And half the audience always raises their hand. And I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, I feel sorry for the rest of you. So I tell my kids all the time, I feel sorry for you guys. And like, what are you talking about? I go, oh, you guys get everything that you want. I said, I got nothing. I'm going out to dinner for me. You know, these kids get to go to the finest restaurants in the world, not just right. here in Orange County. But it, like I tell them, and I'm not joking, that a highlight for me when I was their age was my mom would take us to McDonald's and buy two large French fries pour them into a bowl and allow us to share them. Six kids, five <laughs> boys and a girl. Th that was like going to Mastro's Ocean Club uh, for my kids. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome that she did that. I mean, that's cool. I mean, that's cool. And, and I'm, I'm sure that you guys got to a point where you appreciated it. I mean, you, that was a oh, big deal. More, big deal. More than, more than you can imagine. <laughs> awesome. Now, David, if I were to ask your kids, tell me something about your dad. What, what would you hope that they would say about you? Kind. That's all. Kind. Yeah, just he's a kind person. And you and you live that way. You live that way, so you show it. Oh, I try. I try. So one <laughs> one of the things about being a kind person is, you know, being radically humble. So one of the things I've learned over the last fifteen years is to eliminate mistakes that I make. Um, so, you know, to my children. Uh, so that they realize that I'm doing my best and I'm living a life and taking inventory of my values and I'm not afraid of being here to telling them, hey, I learned this lesson, I did this. And I think that really helps uh, with the kindness aspect of, you know, 
know, a lot of parents try to it's do as I say, not as I do. But the yeah. kids are watching. They're watching you, and like, yeah. you know, I I don't understand the messaging. If they're going to tell a a nineteen year old not to drink, and then they come home, and you and all your friends are drinking every Friday night, yeah. you know, that that's probably not the best thing to show them. You know, it's pretty confusing messaging for them. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, well, cool, uh, David. It, uh, for my listeners, if they want to look you up, kind of learn a little bit more about you, uh, where can they find you? What's the best way to find you? And then uh, what do you have going on for this rest of this year that you're looking forward to? Yeah, I always look, I've been doing trainings for free for over 20 years. So I want to invite everyone. I do trainings on Friday for free. We have over 20,000 registrants. We uh, replay it. It's featured on Spotify, on Entrepreneur, on every platform. So Please join me. All you got to do, if you want my books, exercises, guides for free, my free training, it's david at dmelter.com. David at dmelter.com. I answer every email myself. Just reach out. I'd love for you to join me or read my books, get my exercises, guides, and my trainings. They're all free. So uh, I'm here to empower you to, to be happy and make more money, help more people, and have more fun. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, David, it, it is, like I said, it's been a huge honor and pleasure to have you on. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed our conversation. Not often we get to talk about our, our dad experiences. So, uh, so I really enjoy, uh, enjoy our conversation. I appreciate you sharing. Absolutely. If you're going to do another show too, it's going to be even more popular. Do a show on mommy issues. So you can do dad's up and mommy issue show, and then everybody will listen. Well, I'll tell you something. I had, I'll tell you, uh, my fiftieth, my fiftieth episode. I actually had a mom on, and I had my wife. Oh, my yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, cool. Very cool. Well, cool. Well, thank you very much, David. Thank you so much, and uh, have a wonderful day. Well, there you have it. Another exciting episode complete. My guest today certainly represents the data community very well. Continue to stay tuned because my shows with amazing guests comes out every week. You don't want to miss out. Please help the show by subscribing and leaving a rating. I would love your feedback. If you know anyone this show could help, please share it with them. I don't want anyone missing out on what it takes to be a great parent. If you have comments or questions, please let me know. You can message me on my Instagram page at Data Podcast. I read all your comments and respond to them all. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. This is Data. Up.